You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Monday, August 14th, and the good news is that we made it. We have an actual game to talk about. The 49ers wrapped up their first preseason game against the Raiders, but there's some bad news too, and it's that it didn't go quite like we all hoped. <laughs> but we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And joining me today to do that is Jordan Elliott, formerly of 49ers Goldmine, RIP, Niners Nation, and currently at NBC Sports Bay Area, covering all of the Bay Area teams. We love that forum. Jordan, how you doing, man? Uh, you know, I'm excited. It's, uh, it's a new day. We can put the game that doesn't matter behind us. We're always going to talk about it, but... The great thing is, is that in, you know, about what, three and a half weeks, yesterday's not going to matter. These training camp practices aren't going to matter as much. It's fun to talk about now, but that's the good thing is when good things happen, you can get really excited about them. And when things like yesterday happen, you can kind of just sweep it under the rug. So to me, it's like an ideal situation. It's a very uh, good time for glass half full kind of people like myself. And that's why I have you on. But let's just cut to the chase, right? The biggest topic to come from Sunday's game is Trey Lance. And that was always going to be the case because most all starters didn't suit up. But Trey Lance was set to start and get a full half of action, which, you know, I thought was going to be a great opportunity to show some of the growth that he's done this offseason. You know, the improved mechanics, the confidence that we were seeing in camp uh, and some of those improvements that we saw in camp. But did it translate to the game? He finished 10 of 15, 112 yards, and a touchdown, which is probably a good reminder that stats don't tell the full story because anybody who watched the game knows that it wasn't really that good. And you talk a lot about process over results, Jordan, and I think Trey Lance did lack some process on Sunday. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing to me was that he just didn't look comfortable at all. And, again – this is a, the ultimate team sport. It's one of the reasons why I love football because it really does take, uh, you know, all 11 guys on the field working in unison for things to work. But there were just, there was a few plays I remember off the top of my head where it really just felt like he either was seeing things and not confident and just letting it rip, or he wasn't seeing things in a timely enough manner. And I mean, again, it's a preseason game, so it all depends on how much weight you want to put on it. But I would say the biggest concern is just, you know, if that comfortability is not there now, how do you get him to a point where he is more comfortable? You probably aren't going to be able to have things like that happen during the regular season. You can't afford to take those growing pains during a regular season where you're expected to contend. So I think the biggest concern for me coming out of this is like, where do you get Trey Lance, the reps he might need to feel more comfortable? And is that something that can happen on the 49ers? And I think that's the biggest thing that everybody needs to kind of evaluate that's involved with making those decisions right now is what's the best path moving forward and for those of you that did watch the game live I would encourage you guys to watch you know maybe some clips from it again I did post on my YouTube some of uh all of Trey Lance's dropbacks from the game on Sunday so make sure you guys check that out I'll play some of that here that's on my YouTube channel so be sure to check that out after this um but first I want to talk about the four sacks right you know being on Twitter live as this game was happening there was a lot of blaming of the offensive line and you know some of it I think was warranted but I think 
until the game was over, we started to see people saying, oh, yeah, like he probably shouldn't have held on to the ball that much. He probably could have thrown it to this guy. And it just felt like there was some hesitation there from Lance. And as you mentioned, he didn't look comfortable to me. And this game is about split-second decisions. And if you think whether or not you should make a throw, that is enough time for that window of that throw to close, right? Um, Mm. It's a split-second decisions, right? So for that... And I think we we saw that with Lance a couple of times yesterday um, where had he thrown it, he probably wouldn't have taken the sack. And at least one of them I know would have been a tough throw. I think it was the one to the tight end. Uh, I forgot if it was Warner or Dwelly. It was on a stick concept. I, thought, I think people were saying it was. And there were two defenders there. But I think if he threw it, maybe he hits it. Maybe it gets batted down. I think Kyle still would have appreciated that had he thrown it because – it shows you the process, right? And and maybe, you know, then you can work on timing if it did end up being batted down or something like that. But I think showing that process and showing that you're willing to make those throws is something that Kyle does want to see. And I think when Brock Purdy, we hear about all these interceptions that he's throwing, I don't think we can assume that Kyle Shanahan is down on those plays because maybe it does show that process, right? So that's just... I guess an example of maybe we don't see it as a good play if it were an incompletion, but sometimes maybe it is. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day too, it's like the stats to me don't matter as much. Like you kind of nailed it. Like it's a matter of like, what are you seeing? What are you looking at? And some of the stuff, yeah, you can't really, you know, know what, what is being asked of them unless you're in the meeting rooms. And I think that's something that needs to be respected, but some of it is just elementary stuff, right? Like in the preseason, you're running these three-step drops. You're running very elementary passing concepts that, you know, um, most observers of the NFL are familiar with. So some of this stuff, as much as you, I, I always do like to say, hey, we really don't know what's being asked of him. You can kind of gauge what's being asked of a quarterback on some of these concepts. And it's just kind of concerning that uh, for whatever reason, there wasn't really uh, a rhythm that was established, I thought, until, um, you know, I thought he looked good on that drive where he ended up throwing the touchdown that was, you know, tipped up in the air by the Raiders defensive back and Ross Bully brought it down. I thought there were some good throws and rhythm on that drive. And if I remember correctly, I think it was the third drive um, that they had. Um, and Hey, sometimes offenses start slow. It would start, trailing certainly wouldn't be the first or the only quarterback to have that happen with. But to me, what's more concerning is that it's just some of this stuff shouldn't be as much of an issue as it appears to be in year three in terms of the quick game, three-step drop really early on in the install things that are being asked. So, Hey, maybe it was just a bad day. Um, he certainly would not be the only person that you would say would, would have struggled in this game. Uh, I think across the board, it was pretty, it was a pretty rough day for all three phases of the game. Um, so maybe this next preseason game, he looks totally different. So that's where I would kind of pump the brakes on panicking too much, just because it's such a small sample size right now. But if we're evaluating the sample size that we have, you can't ignore that there are some things where it's kind of like, uh, you know, this is far far less than ideal, right? Like, yeah. And I actually just finished showing one of the my favorite plays from the day yesterday from Lance was when he escaped the pocket looking for someone open as he rolled to his right, and he did a little hop step. I believe it was to Willie Sneed over the defender. I really like that play, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think on both sides or all sides of the ball, there were some struggles, and certainly. 
you know, you look at the offensive line, like I said, I think there is some blame there. And I just want to point out that pass protection and sacks, they're a two-way street. Sometimes the quarterback is at fault. Sometimes it is the offensive line. Lance had a 3.42 time to throw average yesterday. And PFF also had Lance under pressure 50% of his dropbacks. So I think it's fair to say that both struggled yesterday. And I mean, yeah, to your point, maybe even Darnold would have struggled in the first going. It seemed like even the offensive line, uh, you know, got into a groove as the game continued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And it, again, this is the you know first live game action for a lot of these guys in you know months, right? Like some of them, their first live game action in the NFL. Like it's it's gonna not look the greatest, and it's to me, it's part of the preseason experience. Kind of is you know whether you're talking about the NFL, high school football, college. Typically around this time of year, you're gonna have issues. You're gonna make a ton of mistakes, and the reason why they have preseason games. Is so that by the time week one rolls around, you sort out enough of this stuff that the product isn't as um, unesthetically pleasing as what we may have seen yesterday. Yeah. And on the topic of Lance looking, you know, more comfortable as the game went on, I think that's been a theme with him for, you know, the small sample size that we've seen. Um, and I think it's due to the inexperience. You can certainly point to the fact that he's also coming back from injury and maybe he has some rust to shake off too. That's fair. But I think at some point it's one thing that I would want to see change. I'm sure the 49ers would want to see that change if they're going to trust him as a backup and a potential starter. Because right now I think when you look at Lance and Darnold, I'd probably trust Darnold a little bit more just because I know that Darnold could go out there and make a couple throws right away. If he has to go in on spot duty Um, right now, just because Lance is a slow starter. I don't know if I would trust him right away to be able to go in a game and hit, you know, a few throws while the starting quarterback has to get something taped up or I don't know any scenario that could arise. Um, And so Hopefully that's something that Lance could eventually, you know, improve as he gets more experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just one of the things too, I noticed yesterday is that there's a lot of throws where, you know, it's year three, but you have to account for the fact that the sample size has been really small too. And a lot of these throws, it just seems like something where he's still kind of learning what he can and can't get away with at the NFL level and how quickly windows close compared to whatever he saw in college and high school to now. Um, and again, that's not making an excuse. Like there's practice he's had, you know, games that he's played in before, but I think it's just one of those things where until you get a very, you know, large sample of dealing with that, sometimes you are relying on instincts and you might see something where you've made that throw a ton of times at a different level of football, but in the NFL, that's the biggest, you know, difference to me when you compare college NFL, it's not scheme. It's not, you know, size, it's not, it's speed. It's that all 11 guys on the field are really fast and you can get away with things in college that you just can't in the NFL because of that speed. Um, I thought that that ball that I think it was Duke Shelley on the Raiders tipped up, Mm -hmm. like calmly looked open for a second and Lance has a really good arm, but even with having that arm strength, those windows are just so, you know, they're so fleeting that maybe it's just one of those things where you learn through making mistakes like that. And it just takes some guys more time than others. 
Yeah, and I think the timing could be worked out, like I mentioned earlier. And I was actually surprised to hear that Kyle Shanahan actually wasn't very critical of that throw. Like, he liked the fact that Trey Lance, you know, ripped it and made that decision. So Mm -hmm. going back to the process over results, I think that's a, a great example of that. But we did talk somewhat about the offensive line. I know people were worried about the depth. I made the joke that the 49ers are in trouble if they ever have to start the entire second unit in the regular season. And people, some people didn't really get the joke. I mean, no shit. And that would never happen in the regular season to begin with. So it's not really a reason to panic. Um, But, you know, I think we saw a little of, you know, Poe getting pushed around and Zakelge, you know, struggled, I think, a bit on, on some snaps. And I mean, what did you see from the offensive line depth? And do you think the 49ers, with the roster being so top heavy, is this the reason that we're finally seeing this drastic disparity between the starters and the reserves? Yeah, probably. And I just think that that's kind of like every NFL team is dealing with that. And it's funny to me where like the NFL, there's more roster turnover in the NFL than any other professional sports league. Uh, You have 90 guys on the roster right now. You have 53 during the regular season. And it's like wild to me that people think it's like an indictment on a front office or a coaching staff. If all 53 players aren't capable of like stepping right in for whoever may be leaving. Uh, And like, I I hate to put it this way, but it's like a lot of these guys are backups and are taking roles as backups for a reason, because they're just not as good as the players who are starting. And Again, that's all part of the symbiotic relationship you have building a roster. You need to be able to find pieces uh, that you could fit there. And, hey, if all 53 players on your team are capable of starting, then you would not be able to afford them. You would not be able to afford that under the salary cap that's you know, currently constructed. So I just think that at the end of the day, um, if a backup's playing a ton of reps at any position in the NFL – it's very hard to envision them playing at the same level as a starter because then otherwise you get to a point where you're having a discussion of why was this guy starting over that guy? And why is this guy making X amount of dollars compared to this guy? And you know, it's the, the limited preseason games that I've watched this year. It's not a problem exclusive to the 49ers, like the offensive line play on second and third teams. It's terrible too. I promise you the 49ers aren't the only team that doesn't have, uh, you know, 12 capable offensive linemen just, locked and loaded and ready to go. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where injuries are very uh, – injuries play a key part in any NFL season because of that fact that there's only so many capable starters out there, right? So, um, I, you know, I, I think I think it's a good point that maybe we're seeing the disparity more because of how good the starters are. But I don't think that it's like they're, they're, they've, like, sacrificed depth for being top-heavy – or um, that, like, the the roster as a whole is, you know, in question now because some guys that are, you know, no disrespect, a lot of the guys that played yesterday aren't going to make the 49ers roster. They might make another roster, but that's not an indictment on them as much as it's just they're pretty set with the top end of this roster, and they know where probably 85% of this roster is going to be on cutdown day. So I think getting, you know – overanalyzing guys who aren't going to be here in three weeks might just serve to create uh, madness within, right? Like it's just going to drive you crazy trying to rationalize that. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to the importance of, you know, drafting and, and, you know, when you have a team that's so top heavy, you got to continue to draft guys who can fill in those roles and, 
you know, don't impact the cost of your team so much. So, um, you know, I think the 49ers have done a pretty good job of that, uh, but they're going to have to continue to do it if, if they want to keep their window open. Right. So hopefully, you know, we'll see how some of these guys pan out. Did want to talk about some of the rookies who I thought were in the bad column for the day. Uh, one of those being Cameron Latu. He caught a pass, uh, but fumbled. And I'm I'm not counting Latu out. You know, I do believe the 49ers drafted him for the long term, and they see him as a guy who can develop, right? And I think he already has flashed as a run blocker, so I'll give him that. But the lack of catching prowess is an issue for me uh, right now. And, you know, he's probably going to make the roster because, you know, they drafted him in the third round. But I don't know how I feel about that just because you know, with a team that's this deep, you want the 53 best guys on the roster. And it seems like Latu at this moment in time will slip in there just based on his draft position and how the 49ers feel about him long term. Yeah, and, you know, you can argue whether or not that's fair. I totally understand that, but that's just kind of the reality of it. Like, barring some really unforeseen circumstance, um, I don't see a scenario where Latou doesn't make the roster just based on where he was selected. And, you know, you want everybody on the roster in an ideal world to be able to contribute, right, if you need them right away. But when you're drafting guys, especially in the third round, like this isn't a top 10 pick, Drafting a guy, you know, uh, back into the third too. Like you have to specify that it's not even an early third round pick. Back into the third round, you have a long-term vision for these guys. And it takes time to develop and adapt in the NFL. So I would be surprised. You know, I'm sure that there are some concerns and the coaches are, you know, having discussions with them about, you know, the drops and some of the things that he's working through. But I don't think it's a situation where it's like they're panicking and questioning their process yet. And I don't think that's something that's going to happen for at least a couple of years. And the most extreme example we saw was Trey Sermon um, not making the roster after his uh, second training camp with the team. Um, and, you know, something like that might happen, but he still got a year, right? Like he at least had one year with the team. He had two camps, two off seasons. And I'd be shocked if Latou got anything less than that. Another third rounder who made it to the bad column, Jake Moody, missing one kick is one thing, but two in your first NFL game. I know it was preseason, but still, it's probably not ideal. Um, we know that he has a boot, right? Like, we know that he can kick 60-plus yards, but kicking, I think, is very much like a mental sport, and I think with kickers, if that confidence begins to waver, it's a very slippery slope and hard to regain. So I hope that those two misses weren't the start of that for him. Um, he said he wanted to get a third kick in the game, and um, maybe that would have helped if he made it. Um, but yeah, those two misses being the last memory of him being in a game, probably not great. I'm not panicking on it, but again, just not great for your third round kicker. <laughs> and again, you know, Jake Moody has two things working against him. The third round kicker thing and the replacing not only Robbie Gould, but Phil Dawson before Robbie Gould, the Niners had a, a decade of, of one of, you know, the best runs at kicker you'd have in terms of consistency and reliability. And so you're right. Like the pressure is going to be there. And you know, it's really unfortunate because every kicker is going to miss at some point, but every time this guy misses, it's going to be like, doomsday and it's going to be 
you could have drafted this guy and this guy and this guy instead. And, you know, I'll be honest, like, I, I didn't have those thoughts necessarily yesterday, but the Raiders had a rookie who looked really good, who I loved at the combine. Corian Bennett, I thought, had a great day. Um, he looks like he's going to be a really good defensive back for them. And, you know, it's only natural to start wondering, like, well, if Jake Moody were to not work out, what player could you have gotten at maybe, be, you know, I don't want to say a premium position because kicker is a premium position, whether you, you know, enjoy special teams or not, you can't deny the importance, but yeah, it's just, I I do not envy Jake Moody because it could be year five and he's still going to hear about how he was a third round kicker uh, and they wasted draft capital on him. If he has one miss in a, you know, game that ends up not being, you know, really it's meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Right. But it's never going to escape him. And he didn't ask to be drafted in the third round. Again, that's not on him. That's more so on, you know, the people were, you know, responsible for drafting him. If you're really going to hold people accountable for something like that, which it's far too early to be doing now, but I just living amongst this fan base for my entire life, I just know how things go and expectations are high, which is, you know, it's a good thing. There's, there's a high standard here. And so Again, I do not envy Jake Moody because he's going to have extremely lofty expectations where uh, people kind of expect him to be Justin Tucker from day one. And I just don't think that's how it's going to go. Yeah, and that's a lot of pressure for for a rookie kicker. And like I said, for a position who uh, that relies so much on confidence and, and having that intact. So that's crazy. Ty said, we still hear about Solomon Thomas. And that's true. Like anytime people look back on that draft, like – People are always talking about they could have had this guy instead. And it's like, yeah, it, we'll probably hear plenty of that with uh, in relation to Jake Moody for many years to come. Um, question for you, Jordan. Did you happen to catch Isaiah Oliver yesterday? Because I, I really wasn't paying attention too much of him, but I did notice that some people said he was getting beat. Um, I do intend to watch that over, but did you see anything from Oliver? I will be completely honest. I wasn't watching um, as intently as I normally do. Uh, and I saw the same criticisms and, you know, uh, stuff as well, but it wasn't anything that I saw with my own eyes. So I like to kind of reserve mm-hmm. throwing an opinion out there because I don't really get to see it. I will say though, like a guy getting beat a couple times in a preseason game, like, does it really matter? Like, no, like I watched the guy a few <laughs> times during practice. You watched him even more times during practice. I didn't think it was an issue then. So you know, again, and it comes back to one of those things too, where you're replacing Jimmy Ward and then before him, Kwan Williams, the last five years, the Niners have had a really, really good option at slot corner that's been there. It's been dependable. You could count on um, one of those jobs where it's like, it may be thankless, but as long as you're not getting noticed, that means you're doing your job. Like if we're not talking about you, that means you probably did really well. And so again, Isaiah Oliver's a guy where he's coming in with a ton of pressure because of who came before him. And that shouldn't dictate how you evaluate him as a player. And I would also just say, like, hey, let's if, if it's week one in Pittsburgh and um, these same issues are happening, all right, maybe there's a little bit of cause for concern. But um, it's preseason. Uh, you know, the a lot of the starters who are going to be on the defensive line weren't out there, right? Uh, so you have to also factor in that, like, the time the quarterbacks have to throw, how comfortable they're going to be, receivers knowing they have a little bit more time to get in their releases and do some stuff. I just think it's a little bit too early to be panicked about a slot corner getting beat a couple times. Like, and Hey, guess what? He's going to get beat a few times during the regular season. It happens. 
as long as it's not costing them games, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Yeah, and nickel corner might be one of the toughest spots to yeah, absolutely. In, in the secondary. So, I mean, yeah, he is going to get beat at times. That's just the nature of the position. Um, but I'll keep an eye on that when I watch the game over. And, you know, I'm sure I'll have some thoughts later in the week. But for right now, I also didn't really pay attention too much of him. So, uh, TBD. Uh, Hugo says, Steph, how can people judge Trey when that O-line did not cover him? He was under pressure the whole time. I want to see what he does with the starters to really judge him. Like, I, I think that's fair. Um, but again, I think part of seeing Trey under pressure, like I said, it was a two-way street. I think could the offensive line have done a better job protecting him in, you know, the first few drives? Yes. Could Trey have done a better job of getting the ball out quicker? Also, yes. So I think there's a there's a give and take there for how to judge, you know, Trey's performance. Overall, I did see some hesitancy. And so regardless of the offensive line, I think, you know, we just have to hope that that turns around. So, yeah, I, I understand wanting to see him with the starting unit. I don't know if that's going to happen, um, you know, in in a game at some point. But we saw it in practice. It, he was fine um, with that. So. Yeah. Jordan, do you have any thoughts on, on that? Well, I would say, you know, in respect to Trey Lance, like, you know, reps with the starters are earned, not given. And I think that when you are having some of the consistency issues that he's had and you're not executing a lot of the stuff that's early day one install, three-step drop stuff, I don't know why the 49ers would be making it a point of emphasis to get him reps with the first team. And it, it comes back to, you know, they had a full off season with him last year as the starter before, you know, he unfortunately got injured in week two. So while the sample size is still really small, the 49ers have seen a lot behind closed doors that maybe the public and media haven't been privy to. So I just, I have to believe if they felt strongly that there, that was all that it would take is, you know, oh, if he's just playing with starters, everything's going to sort himself out. He would probably be playing with the starters and that would be something they were doing. I think there's a much greater level of concern from them. And then on top of it, too, Brock Purdy did it during regular season games, during playoff games. I don't see a world where it makes sense for the 49ers to overemphasize. You can talk about draft capital and the investment and all that stuff. What they did in April of 2021 should not dictate what they're doing in August and September of 2023. They have a team that's ready to win now. If they feel like Brock Purdy or whomever it may be gives them a better chance to win, you have to go with that. And if that ends up being Trey Lance down the line and they feel that way, you have to make a tough call and put him in too. But I just think that this notion that like Trey's being like cheated out of getting an opportunity because he hasn't gotten to play with this player and this player kind of overlooks the fact that if the 49ers were seeing enough from him in practice, that would lead them to believe that was like the missing piece to this puzzle. You'd like to think that there probably would be more of an emphasis to do it. Right. So I just think it's one of those things where you're kind of stuck in this situation where he probably needs a lot more reps to get comfortable and develop. The Niners don't really feel like they're in a position probably to give that to him right now. So that's the biggest, and I don't have an answer for that going forward. I don't know how you fix that. Um, thankfully it's not my problem to fix because I really don't know what you do, but that's just kind of my reading on it. Like, you, you know, it, it's really hard to take away those starting reps from a guy who did it during regular games. And I think that's why we're going to see a lot of Trey Lance in these preseason games because every rep is so important to his development and not just his development, but to get a fair evaluation of him. 
And if you're going to make a decision on whether or not you should keep him on this roster, whether or not he should be the QB two, you need to have a large enough sample size to feel comfortable with that decision. And I see X music here saying, you know, Sam is Sam Darnold also played with a lot of run plays. Trey had to throw a lot. And I think, you know, part of that I did notice, but you have to remember that Trey Lance needs these reps, right? He needs to throw. And I think right off the bat, there were some throws there for him to make. Yes. The pocket did collapse very quickly, but he could have made some of those throws even quicker. Right. So again, it's a, it's a two way street. And I think Trey needs the experience. So him getting these opportunities to throw is a good thing, but he also has to, you know, convert and he has to, you know, take advantage of these opportunities that are going to be given to him because, you know, like Jordan said, there aren't going to be many more to come. I mean, these preseason games, this is, this is your chance. So um, yeah. Uh, but what'd you think about uh, Sam Darnold and Brandon Allen, Jordan? You know, Sam Darnold, it's, so I'll be fully honest. Like I'm a Cal fan, right? So I watch a ton of Pac-12 football. That means I, you know, I, I watch USC, even though I'm not a fan of them. I watch a lot of their games. I really thought that he was going to be a good quarterback coming out. I thought that he should have been the number one pick that year. Um, I was very high on him coming out because I thought he had arm talent that very few quarterbacks have. And, you know, here we are, what, five years later, and there's been 55, 56 games, whatever the sample's been, hasn't been great. But I do still see a guy where it's like, hey, if we have to turn to this guy and it's, you know, our starter's out and we need to hand the keys over – I think he is a guy in this system, in uh, an offense that's going to do a lot of the legwork for him. He's a guy that you could feasibly see, you know, like, hey, this, he can keep the team afloat. I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be in the MVP discussion. I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be, you know, throwing for four touchdowns every week and being the driving force behind the 49ers winning games. But I could see the 49ers winning games with him. And I think from what I've seen, and this is my feeling before the offseason, I should clarify, like before this training camp preseason, uh, during camp, he's a much better athlete than I expected. Uh, his ability to throw on the run, get out of the pocket, move, all those things, I was much more impressed than, um, you know, I, than I expected to be really. And I thought he looked pretty good yesterday for the most part. Like, you know, I, I know he had that, I think it was to Ronnie Bell, he had that deep throw down the right sideline. Um, those are the kind of throws he's been making since college. So, uh, you know, it's, it's early in the process. Right. And just like, you know, Trey Lance may have had a rougher day. Donald might have that rougher day next time around. So I think it's way too early to have this take where it's like, well, Trey struggled a little bit. Sam Donald looked better. So that means that he's clearly better or he's clearly going to be above him. I think there's still a lot of time to sort that stuff out, but it should be encouraging. I think at this point, any quarterback that looks good for the 49ers should be encouraging given the, uh, injury and just the carousel they've had of guys at that position the last few years. So yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. Like I think Sam Darnold's a guy for the price they got him at and what I think he's capable of doing right now, you have to feel pretty good about it. But again, it's the preseason. I think for any, uh, you know, pessimistic outlook you have from post or preseason performance, you have to have the same thing for optimistic stuff. So I have to kind of, you know, if we're going to be over concerned about Trey, if that's a thing for people, don't get overhyped on Sam Darnold just yet, because again, this is preseason. We're going up against twos and threes, but uh, I, I wouldn't fault anybody for feeling encouraged. And I think that it's okay to feel encouraged without having an end all be all strong take about it. 
I think the encouraging part is that Sam Darnold hopefully wouldn't have to start any games for this team because I think we've seen plenty of that sample size with Darnold and we know how that has gone in his career. Um, But I I do think you raise a good point and one that I've kind of mentioned that I feel like the 49ers would feel or do feel comfortable with Sam Darnold being a backup for this team. And I know, you know, David Lombardi has, been mentioning it too and I was like uh, people aren't gonna like that you said this but it's so true he said QB2 is a job that's more about high floor than a high ceiling and right now it's clear that Sam Darnold had a higher floor than Trey Lance especially within the context of what Kyle Shanahan runs Lance is gonna have to show much more steadiness what next week than he did today like that's so true. And even though, you know, Sam Darnold isn't this world beater. And again, he's shown the sample size of him, you know, struggling at times. I think he's fine for being able to go in there, play a few snaps and, you know, maybe finish a game if needed. Now, if it got to a point where he'd have to start games, I would be a little nervous uh, based on what we know about him. But for the time being, I think the 49ers would probably like Sam Darnold as QB two, but still, still plenty of, uh, you know, these preseason games to make that decision final. So we'll just have to wait and see, but let's talk about the good stuff, right? We've been talking about like all the bad things that happened in this game. There were some positives and I want to start with Ronnie Bell and Deshaun Jameson, two different positions. Both can contribute on returns. I think both of these guys in their own right, are making a solid case to make the 53 right now, at least based on what we saw yesterday. Bell had three catches, 59 yards. He did have a drop two, or he could have probably had about 70 yards at least. Um, And he had that end around for 15 yards. Uh, And he also handled three kick returns for an average of 19 yards per return. And then you have Jameson um, who plays in the secondary. He handled two returns for 37 yards, and he had the long one of 25 yards. And he looks comfortable in that role. So I think like with Ray-Ray McLeod being out for eight weeks, both of these guys I think you can really consider to take over that role. And certainly, you know, in any case, I think, you know, in their own positions as a wide receiver and, you know, being in the secondary, I think both of these guys sh- should – be on the roster based on what I've seen so far from them. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think Ronnie Bell is a guy where like, I I really liked him coming out. I thought he profiled really well for something the 49ers could use, which is uh, a shifty dependable slot guy that has a little bit more short area burst, I think than Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings is such a unique player, right? This is not a knock on Juwan Jennings at all because Juwan Jennings does things that very few players in the league can do. And it appears like he gets under the skin of his opponents better than any player I've seen in recent <laughs> years. It's like every report about a scuffle during practice is Juan Jennings blocking somebody into the turf or doing something. So you need that identity. He's crucial to what they do. So this isn't to sell Juan Jennings short at all. It's more so just I think that it's a complementary skill set where Ronnie Bell, um, you know, when you're looking at athletic profiles and, uh, you know, things coming out during the combine, there wasn't a specific number that jumped out. But when you flipped on the tape, you're like, man, this guy, he, he just, he's consistent. He's dependable. He's reliable. And I think that's one thing he's shown during camp. And I thought he looked great yesterday. And then Deshaun Jameson. Deshaun Jameson, I thought, was one of the best defensive backs in the three practices I attended. I thought he looked uh, very comfortable out there. And it wasn't even just what he was doing in team periods. 
it was the individual work with the DBs, the way he was like, he was moving around out there. Like he was a veteran, just the way he was vibing with some of those guys who've been on this team for four or five years. I think that stuff matters a lot. And I think that it shows that you have a little bit of swagger and a little bit of confidence that you need to have if you're going to play a defensive back in the NFL. And then we got to see yesterday his value as a returner as well. So I'm with you 100%. I think that that's one thing um, that you can take away from this game is that while there maybe were some causes for concern, there's also some things to be really encouraged about as we head into the second week of the preseason. And Jameson doing it as an undrafted free agent. And and like you said, Jordan, like you, you have to kind of go in with that confidence. There's a lot of imposter syndrome, I think, for anyone who has ever been in a new situation can can relate to that. Um, and especially when it comes to, you know, going from college to the NFL, that's a huge jump. And and for some guys, I, I think that does, you know, mess with their heads a little bit. And so for Jameson to come in and have that confidence and, and that swagger, I think says a lot about him. And so hopefully we get to see, see a little bit more of him throughout through the preseason. And let's not forget, he did get some high praise from Brandon Ayuk too, which isn't, doesn't exactly get passed around. Right. So I think that says a lot about Jameson too. But another guy on the defensive side of the ball who I thought looked good yesterday was Clinton Farrell. He had that sack yesterday. Um, And, you know, honestly, I thought he had an up and down camp. Uh, And I think he's really starting to catch on, though, with Chris Kosarik and this defensive line. And I think it begs to question, has Farrell earned himself that starting edge spot opposite Bosa jumping over Drake Jackson? You know, I think so for base, if we're talking base downs, yes. And, you know, one of the, the the greatest, you know, areas of wisdom that I've been able to, you know, come across during my time, um, you know, covering football and stuff is somebody told me that, you know, there's no starters on the defensive line. There's only packages. Right. And I think that's really important where it's like sometimes we may get so caught up in who's out there on the first play of the first series of the game. Well, typically it's going to be guys that are able to be a little bit more versatile in terms of, you know, running, passing. There's a lot more on the table on first and 10 than on third and eight, right? So I think Cleland Farrell is a guy with the experience he has, his ability to defend the run, his ability to um, just be versatile in that role probably gives him a leg up where, again, it's not an indictment on Drake Jackson as much as it's like, hey, we really think Farrell is a guy where he can do all these things that are going to be asked of a guy who's out there on first and 10 on the first series of the game. But that also might mean that when it's third and eight, third and nine, and it's an obvious passing situation, maybe we get to a point where they feel like Drake Jackson's uh, has a higher ceiling as a pass rusher. So he's out there. So I don't think it's really, you know, a, a bad thing per se, or it's like, Oh no, like here we are in year two, Drake Jackson isn't the starter yet. He just might not be out there in the base package, but when they get into that turbo package and they start getting after the quarterback, Maybe that's really where Drake Jackson shines and you find a nice compliment between the two. Yeah, that that's an excellent point. And, you know, for some people who are noticing the fact that, uh, you know, the defensive line yesterday and there, there weren't any starters, they, they were struggling to get into the backfield. I'm not worried about that because I think there is a rotation here. So a lot of those guys aren't going to be starting. They aren't going to get a bunch of snaps in the regular season. So I think they'll be fine. And also, I mean, it's the preseason. No one's game planning and, you know, things are very different when when 
it's game planned. I, I did see people speculating that the Raiders did game plan for this game, which would have been odd if they did, but I don't know. I, I heard Greg, Greg Papa said it on KNBR, and he was down there at those practices. He obviously has a long history with the Raiders organization. So maybe they, they <clears throat> took that game last year a little personal. Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I never really – I've never had any – stakes in this Raiders Niners rivalry I always thought it was kind of silly to me personally just because they don't play in the same division they'd play once every four years so I never really bought into it so I don't think it's this like oh we hate the 49ers and we're gonna you know go overboard maybe it could just be something where it's like hey if you look at the two teams they're both coming off of very different seasons and it might just be a situation where Josh McDaniels is like hey this is the standard we're gonna set for the preseason for the regular season and hopefully the postseason when we get there too. But I, I, I have heard that. I literally heard that on the car driving back just before I got on with you that Greg Papa was saying that on KMBR. So uh, maybe there was a little bit more motivation on that end. Um, I would add too, you know, when you talk about the defensive line and the 49ers, they go 10 deep, right? Like they have this ability to rotate guys in and out. You know who's not rotating over the course of 60 minutes? The other team's offensive line. So when you have to deal with Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave, it's going to make life easier for a Kevin Givens, for a Cleveland Farrell, for a Javon Kinlaw coming in. And so we didn't really get to see the wear and tear that comes from those frontline blue chip players that you will definitely see during a regular season game when that rotation is really, you know, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And look, if the if the Raiders did game plan for this preseason game, more power to them, but it also makes me feel better about the outcome because yeah, of course the Raiders are going to win. And of course they're going to look great in practice if they game planned for the entire thing. So um, yeah, another reason to not panic. Look, this, uh, and maybe it's not the last good thing. I got to watch the game over and maybe I'll see some more, but I do have to talk about Jalen Graham. He led the team with six tackles. He's flying around, he's making plays. And I mean, I think this is what we had seen in camp too. I mean, I saw a lot of reports that this is what he'd been doing all of camp. And at times he looks better than D winters, not to say that D winters looks bad because I think he also has been solid. Um, but Jalen Graham, he just looks like a 49ers linebacker. Yeah. And he, he got some strong praise from, I believe it was Steve Wilkes after one of the practices, they really liked the way he was filling his run fits and doing some of the, some of the dirty work that's easy to spot when you have practice footage and you're going back and watching the tape a lot harder to spot from media or anybody watching from the sidelines because, uh, you know, that everything's moving so fast. You're at eye level. You don't really get a chance to see the nuance of these guys really when they're piling in there, um, you know, on a run play and there's 15 guys in a very small vicinity. So that's one thing I know that they seem really encouraged about. And yeah, I agree. He looked really good yesterday. Um, I thought he was one of the most impressive players on the field. I tweeted that yesterday. I thought to me, him and Ambry Thomas really impressed me. Um, and oh, so I didn't, didn't mean to steal the thunder there if that's where we're going. No, no, I totally forgot about him actually when I was writing down my list. But Ambry Thomas, too, was was a guy who I thought did well, and it was funny because, like, man, last year's camp, he he did really struggle and he looked you know terrible by, by all accounts, and I saw it so objectively, I could say he looked terrible. But this year, I think that he's going to try to turn a corner. And I think with Steve Wilkes being there, it's definitely going to help. Um, and I, I talked about Mayoko interviewed Ambry on uh, the 49ers Talk podcast. And Ambry was talking about the fact that, you know, in the past, they'd never really worked on technique. Like, 
now that's one of the things with Steve Wilkes that they're really working on. And that could definitely help Ambry Thomas, you know, potentially turn a corner. I know it's not always going to be rainbows and sunshines as, you know, he, you know, acclimates and gets better under Steve Wilkes. But I think, I think there's enough there to, you know, keep him around on the 53 as depth. What, what do you think? Yeah. And you know, with him, if there is a thing where it's like, Hey, we're noticing a couple, you know, couple changes here to technique or some of the things that, you know, Steve Wilkes might be doing in more detail, obviously that could be really what it takes to get him to a level that where he is a mainstay because the athletic traits were never in question. Like Amory Thomas is a guy that ran four, three coming out, looked really good in man coverage um, coming out. I remember he had a game that I watched like every rep he took where they were playing Notre Dame when Chase Claypool was on the team. And whatever your thoughts are on Chase Claypool, he's an NFL wide receiver who's a consistent part of both the offenses he's been in. And Ambry Thomas looked great against him. So he showed coming out even before he was on the 49ers that he had what it took to match up uh, and really erase an NFL caliber receiver. And I don't think you lose that. I think that having the athletic traits he has, you always have a chance to tap into it. And, you know, Steve Wilkes with his background with defensive backs, maybe he's the guy where he really gets something out of him. But you know, I agree. It's hard to to overlook some of the shortcomings that might have been there, and just the way that the the you know the depth chart played out when there were some opportunities for some of the corners who weren't starters to step in. But you know, his rookie year, he also had a couple big moments. Obviously, he had that interception that put the Niners in the playoffs in Week 18 uh, back in Los Angeles. So you know, yeah, I, I think that it's it's encouraging to see that, and you know. I really, really would love to know what they think about Daryl Luter because he was a guy that I really liked coming out. And, you know, just the sample size, unfortunately, hasn't been there. Started camp on the pup list and stuff like that. How strong do they, do they feel about guaranteeing him a roster spot? Is there a situation where that kind of comes into the mix? But And, you, and then you have a guy like Sean Jameson who's at a strong camp as well. So at the very minimum, you're getting a strong competition at that position, pushing behind the starters in uh, Mooney Ward and uh, Delmador Lenore. Yeah, and I don't know if the 49ers could put Luter on the IR list at this point. I believe they could, right? So, I mean, for the sake of keeping him around but not, you know, really surrendering a roster spot to, you know, maybe someone like Deshaun Jameson who, as we've mentioned, he he probably deserves a spot on this roster. Um, you know, maybe maybe they try to do that because, yeah, I mean, you haven't seen anything from Daryl Luter at this level to to really know for sure if that's, you know, worth keeping on the 53. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But Ambry Thomas, I'm – I'm hopeful. Okay. I'm, I'm hopeful. Don't let me down. Um, yeah, my, my belief is restored. So we'll see rooting for you. And Jordan, we're at about like 46 minutes here. And I think we've about covered all the bad and the good. Like, did you have anyone else that stood out to you as a good? I had a interesting number to throw out there if that's all right. That had me thinking on the last thing we were talking about. So we're talking about like floor with backups and Sam Darnold and the stuff like that, the experience or whatever. So Sam Darnold is going into year six and he has started 55 regular season games in the NFL. I think 49ers fans saw during Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure, in, you know, San Francisco with the 49ers, how over time he got more comfortable and the more starts he got, the better he looked. Jimmy Garoppolo is entering year 10 and he has 57 regular season starts. 
So him and Sam Darnold have effectively the same sample size as a starter in the NFL. And so I think that it's, it's crazy to think about, right? And yeah. that does matter because especially when we're talking about comparing him to Trey Lance, ultimately what matters is what helps the team right now. But if we're talking about who Trey Lance is and what he can become, it's important to remember that Sam Darnold has effectively the same sample size we've seen from a 10-year veteran. And say, or uh, sorry, Trey Lance has four regular season NFL. Sorry, three and a half. Um, I don't think it's fair to count that you know uh, Seattle game where he unfortunately got hurt early on. So you realistically have three and a quarter NFL games that are regular season where everything matters. It's not preseason, and so it's just something to keep an eye on. But at the same time, that also might weigh into their decision when they are sorting out who this backup is behind Brock Purdy because. Regardless of how you feel about either quarterback, I think objectively we can say there is a benefit to having 55 games played versus three that is very hard to ignore if it's very close between the two. So I just I, I, I knew that Jimmy had a number around that, so I actually looked it up while we were talking, and it kind of blew my mind. I'm like, wow, Sam Darnold and Jimmy Garoppolo literally have the same sample size despite one being in the league half the time as the other, and I just thought that was uh, that was interesting. That is very interesting. I, I did not know that. So that, yeah, that is crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't envy the 49ers with this uh, QB2 decision that they are going to make here in, in a few short weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, these next few preseason games are going to dictate a lot. And hopefully one guy, you know, comes away with it and is strong enough sways you strong enough one way or the other for you to you know feel confident about decision right now I don't think either guy has really done that so yeah we got two more preseason games to see it all unfold uh but Jordan thank you so much for joining me today this was fun as always and uh good luck at NBC thank you I'm looking forward to it. it's gonna be a fun time for sure. Make sure you guys support Jordan and all his content coming out soon. Uh, but for now, guys, make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe if you have not yet. If you're audio listening, uh, make sure that you follow the podcast. Leave us a review if you feel so kind. But for now, have a good rest of your Monday, folks. Peace.